I know you're out there. I know that you're afraid. You're afraid of us. You're afraid of change. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. I'm going to hang up this phone, and then I'm going to show these people what you don't want them to see. A world without rules and controls, without borders or boundaries. A world where anything is possible. Where we go from there is a choice I leave to you. Connecting the dots of the Constitution for you like no one else can. The Chris Ann Hall Show. She's an attorney, a disabled U.S. Army veteran, an author, public speaker, mother, pastor's wife, and a patriot. She's Chris Ann Hall. Rise and shine, liberty loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. Liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Here we have day number two at the Red Pill Expo. And uh, I'm just, uh, this has been a great event. I have with me my husband and our co-host, J.C. Hall. Hasn't this been a great event? Yeah, yeah, awesome. I just... Really amazing speakers, presenters. I think last week's show was great and, and a great thing to do because, you know, I, I think people out there listening, you know, just like us, just like anybody, have busy lives and, mm-hmm. you know, they're they're doing what they're doing day by day. And, and, you know, they don't, most people don't have time or, you know, resources to go travel to conferences and things all over the place and, you know, get connected. So, uh, so it's nice. You know, people can listen to the show and then they can hear uh, these different folks mm-hmm. and what they're doing, you know, and something may move them and they get plugged in. And I think that's important in general because, you know, in the liberty movement and trying to raise up this new generation of liberty minded people, we have to we have to connect. We have to, you know, work uh, as a team, mm-hmm. so to speak. You know, and I think it's really important. Um, and what's great about this that I've seen is. Um, the branding, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. you know, people use the the uh, notion of tribalism, uh, which is very powerful, group identity. They use it against us so often. They use it to, to divide. And so I, it's been really, I think it's nice, really positive that you get a group of people and they sort of identify, you know, we're the red pill army and mm-hmm. the red pill movement and this thing. And so we sort of group identify together and you get that cohesion and bonding and I think it makes a more powerful force when when you look around and you see, well, all these people are on the same team. We're all working for the same goal. Uh, you know, in our, uh, as the old preacher said, we're in our own little pea patch, but it's it's still the same mm-hmm. war. You know, everybody has their place. And so I, it's been amazing to see uh, all of the people who are such experts in the particular battle that that they're waging it's just really impressive tom deweese uh you know mark her uh center for self-governance tom deweese and agenda 21 you know different things like that these guys are so talented so informed and so capable of equipping people it's really just amazing and you know i know i know shows would probably charge these guys to be mentioned right uh, you know and all that sort of stuff but we we want to do that we want people to know who these folks are 
so that you can plug in and get the resources that they make available, get the education that they put out there, and equip yourself to, you know, if, if that particular thing, for instance, if Agenda 21 is something that, you know, rouse you, uh, man, get get with Tom DeWeese and his stuff, and you can get informed, and you can get in the battle, and you, you can fight, you know, and that sort of thing. So it's, it's really great. It's been fantastic. Well, you know, we've always said the value of these these conferences is uh, networking. Right. And what we're able to do on this show is give the people the benefit of that network without having to really come forward and right. and uh, put out the money, which is <laughs> maybe to the chagrin of of the the red pill people. But but also I think this helps the red pill. Uh, group because this is a yearly conference. Yeah. And oh, by, this is going to grow. Yeah, by listening to this show, you can see how amazing these speakers are. Yeah. And having and and having one-on-one access with these people because that's what this is. You I mean you walk up to these people, and and they want to have conversations. Absolutely. These are teachers at heart. Yeah, I have to laugh at the SPLC, you know, article, the article in the Spokane, whatever fish rep that. Uh, quoted SPLC and you know they were saying oh well we don't want to we don't want to give it too much credit and 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 make it out to be you know something more than it is and some little fringe little thing Uh, and I had to chuckle Mm -hmm. man this is not going away it's only Mm going to grow and and you just they have no concept of the the power Mm -hmm. of the people that are here uh, and the depth of knowledge that they have and and the manner in which they can present it uh, to really rally people to the cause and mm-hmm. so you know uh i'm sorry what i don't even know the name of that paper but splc and, and all of your uh, enablers um uh, sorry to break it to you but this is only going to grow it is now jc is going to go round up our guests for today's show and uh we'll yeah, right here right now right looking here. forward to hearing our next guest yeah so. all right well uh uh who is our next guest so this is our next guest is Mr. Larry Pratt with Gun Owners of America, and I am so happy to have you here with us. I have, I am a big supporter of Gun Owners of America. You guys are the real liberty fighters. I mean, you're not, you're not lobbyists and you're not lawyers and you're not uh, trying to protect the uh, integrity of the lawsuits regarding guns. You guys are actually fighting for the people. Well, I appreciate that. We, um, uh, we do think that the Second Amendment should be respected literally. And right. that irritates an awful lot of politicians who, uh, and other people, I, I guess, who have been conditioned to think that, well, everything... Uh, should be seen in some larger context. Well, yeah, I, we we can go with that, too. Let's look at the Second Amendment as part of the whole Bill of Rights. None of them should be fooled with. Uh, right. The Second right. Amendment falls if we can't defend it verbally with our First Amendment. Mm-hmm. The Second Amendment means nothing if the Fourth Amendment is brushed aside and cops can come into anybody's home for any reason or no reason whatsoever and Preach. Re- <laughs> remove their guns, etc. So all the way down the line, whether it's a jury trial or any of the things that are protected by the Second Amendment, by the Bill of Rights, uh, really it's a package deal. And mm-hmm. I, I know that there are some gun owners who think that maybe they won't be hated as much if they just try to isolate guns uh, and talk about that only. But really it's a whole, it's part of a larger 
uh, freedom package. And when I uh, spoke here yesterday, mm-hmm. I tried to make the point that to understand the Second Amendment properly, you have to understand the whole context of the Bill of Rights. The Second right. Amendment, if you will, is aimed at uh, controlling the government mm-hmm. to keep it from going off the rails in a tyrannical direction. And But so is the, all the rest of the Bill of Rights. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's to protect the rights of people against the government. The Bill of Rights limits government, not people. When I teach my Second Amendment uh, class, it's titled The Right to Keep and Bear Arms because uh, one of my pet peeves when people call it the Second Amendment right, as if the right comes from the Second Amendment, and that's a very dangerous way to speak because then people think, well, if it comes from the Second Amendment, all we have to do is... Uh, amend the Second Amendment, and then we can amend that right. Yeah, talking about a Second Amendment right kind of disembodies mm-hmm. the Second Amendment. And the Second Amendment is a something that individuals possess and, mm-hmm. and enjoy. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's when they start talking about messing with any of the Bill of Rights, they're talking about messing with personal freedoms that right. individuals have. Right. We, I also, I teach a, a class that really isn't taught by anyone uh, on the uh, principles and the, uh, uh, the, the principles and the, and the reasons for the, the entire Bill of Rights as a whole. And it's simply, a lot of people believe that the Bill of Rights was established to limit the federal government. And it wasn't established to limit the federal government because the federal government is already limited by the original Constitution. Uh, Hamilton made this argument. He said, look, why do we have to tell them not to do something when we've never given them the authority to do it? So the purpose of the Bill of Rights is to, uh, to be, as Richard Henry Lee said, to be a sentinel alarm to the people to not allow the government to do these things. Good. Yeah. And I always tell them, I said, you know, it's ridiculous because... It, People, those in power who are really trying to usurp our rights are trying to say, hey, we have an authority to regulate this because it's just about hunting. It's just about Every right is subject to regulation. Right. What's amazing is our founders actually carried through that argument and and, and they completely destroyed that argument. But we don't read what they wrote, right? And so the... That was so then. I know. I know. (laughs) But their their arguments, when you, you hear them, they're so relevant. And the idea that, that the right to keep and bear arms is about hunting is like saying that our framers were afraid that the deer and the rabbit would organize to disarm us. That no doubt was an argument made by British governors and King George. Uh, and those <laughs> arguments were rather clearly rejected uh, by the colonists. Um, there, was, there were efforts uh, by the king and his men to regulate the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. And uh, the colonists said, we're not having anything of that. I know, I know. Well, and they knew why, too. Absolutely. It wasn't so they could hunt. <laughs> no, uh, that was, uh, that's a, uh, a, a collateral benefit of the Second mm-hmm. Amendment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have a right to hunt, but it's not, uh, uh, that's not even, that wasn't in the mind of people that were debating the Second mm-hmm. Amendment. Right. Uh, it, it was assumed that everybody's going to have a gun. Right, uh, right, <laughs> right, right, right. Everybody had to hunt to eat. <laughs> right. Uh, so. So let me ask you a question. What is what is the main, uh, just for those who are not familiar with Gun Owners of America, what is your main objective? Gun Owners of America was formed by a California state senator, Bill Richardson, H.L. Richardson, uh, 
back in 1976. And I'm going to say it had to have been a long time ago. <laughs> it, it was, and the purpose was then, as it is now, to provide as robust a defense of the Second Amendment as we possibly can to, as much as we can, educate a populace that has not been taught what the Second Amendment mm -hmm. is all about, even gun owners uh, who may enjoy uh, firearms, but they haven't uh, necessarily been introduced to the doctrines of freedom mm -hmm. that the founders were dealing with. And so uh, ever since Richardson got the ball rolling, we've had the uh, purpose of defending the Second Amendment and making sure that when uh, people hear it recited, that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Okay, can you stay with us for a few more minutes? Sure. All right, well, we will be right back after this break. And I have with me our wonderful guest, Larry Pratt, with Gun Owners, uh, Gun Owners of America. Uh, Larry, give us your website so people know how to get to you. We're at gunowners.org, and if you go there, we encourage you to sign up for the free email alerts that we provide. That keeps you posted on what the Congress is doing, and embedded in those email will be one that you can send to your individual personal congressman. Uh, to keep them informed about what their constituents want mm -hmm. them to be doing. And uh, as uh, some of the staff have told our guys up on the Hill, uh, oh, Gun Owners of America, yeah, your email are loud. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you guys are on uh, Twitter, I know. I follow you on Twitter, on Facebook. Twitter. Yeah, we're uh, trying to use all the social media that's available. and uh, It's uh, a lot of work, though, isn't it? Well, it's the way that we can communicate with Congress and with each other. Right. And uh, we've found it to be, it's, it's much, it's greatly empowering because before the advent of the Internet, it was approximately a six-week process, uh, process from the time we first saw a problem until we were able to deliver a mailing and a postcard and get it back to the Congress uh, and the issue... Uh, could be long over by the time the postcard got there. Mm -hmm. uh, so they, we can have something out uh, sometimes, if need be, even the same day. So what's the biggest issue that you have? What is the biggest battle that you have right now that you're waging in Gun Owners of America? Well, <laughs> there would be two ways to answer. One, in general, is the Republican leadership. Uh, the uh, uh, <laughs> As far as legislation. <laughs> so refreshing to hear when our biggest battle are the people who campaign as gun rights people. <laughs> well, uh, yes, uh, that, that is a, a problem. Consistency, uh, apparently, in their view, is the hobgoblin of a small mind. Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they're certainly not uh, 
subject to that accusation then. But uh, uh, there's a piece of legislation that would uh, legalize something that's already authorized, really, in the Fourth Amendment. The, the um, uh, Just like your driver's license is good to go not only in your state but mm-hmm. all the other states, your concealed carry permit uh, under this measure would also be viewed in the same way. And that would be a tremendous benefit because so many of us travel. And if, God forbid, you have to go to a place like Chicago, um, they don't invite you to be armed, to protect yourself. Right, right. We will have a battle with that, however, to keep Congress out of our licensing process on the state level. You know, it's well, just... we'll invite them to do it the same way they did with uh, driver's licenses. Happily, they've really never gotten into that Mm -hmm. as they've left that to the states properly Mm -hmm. and all we're saying is uh, other states recognize the constitution yeah stop sticking your nose in all this right absolutely well thank you larry for your time i know you are flying out this afternoon we're flying out uh at oh dark 30 tomorrow morning so i hate those flights. i know well we're are you going to dc or yeah. oh yeah see yeah. we're going coast to coast too so bleh. <laughs> yeah yeah it's a it's a long day when you have we're to actually going to be in washington dc uh the first week of july well i hope uh, we'll both be there at the same time i'd very much like to get together with you awesome all well we'll get get you with my husband and exchange Good. uh contact information Good. we can have dinner while we're there that would That's be fantastic. A plan. My wife would love that. Oh, so. awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, Gunowners.org. And Larry Pratt, thank you for fighting in the trenches for our right to keep and bear arms. Well, thank you. My goodness, we are here with our next guest. And I can I just say that I'm just totally, totally, totally starstruck. And I am excited. <laughs> I am excited to have with me Jordan Page. And we have just a few minutes left in this segment, but don't worry. Jordan's going to stay with us into the next segment. Thank you for agreeing to sit down with me, Jordan. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure. I'm starstruck, too. I've been following you for years, <laughs> and we, uh, we do events in this, so much in the same circuit, and I've just never had the pleasure of meeting you before this weekend. We've so. never bumped into each other I before. Don't know how, I don't know how it's happened. <laughs> so, like I said, we're just here for just a few minutes. Your wife's not with you this time? No, she's uh, she's up at our farm in uh, eastern Washington uh, with our seven kids and kind of holding down the fort today. All right, so here we go into our break, and when we come out, Jordan Page is going to uh, tell us about what he does. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Uh, We are at day number two at the Red Pill Expo, and you get to benefit from our 
presence here because you get to hear uh, from the greatest speakers, the greatest activists fighting for your liberty fighting for the liberty of your children and we are here to bring these people to you our guest right now is jordan page and jordan you i I like what you do because it helps people see that you don't have to be a political lobbyist in washington dc to fight for liberty oh absolutely or or you, you you also don't have to be in the military to yeah. fight for liberty. That's right. Thank you. So what is it? Tell everybody. I can't imagine anybody out here who listens to the Chris Ann Hall Show doesn't know who Jordan Page is. But tell us, who is Jordan Page? Wow, this is the question that, that I've been trying to figure out for I a know, long time. I know, right? Will we ever who, know? Who, who am I? <laughs> the eternal question. <laughs> I am a, I'm a, well, I'm a musician. I've, I've been a musician since I was about 12 years old. And around the end of 2006, um, I was living in, in Maryland on the East Coast. And I, I had an experience where I... I wrote a song in the middle of the night on December 1st of 06. It was very much a a divine appointment, and um, this song was called Pendulum, and it changed my life because I didn't even know what – I didn't understand what it was about. Mm -hmm. And the first time I played it for a large audience, I got a massive standing ovation, and I I didn't – I realized in that moment that the people in the audience knew what the song was about, but I didn't. And so oh, it was how like... how amazing. That's a God experience. It was a God experience. Absolutely. I, I, and, I, and I had these things, and, and the Lord was saying to me, like, these people know what this song is about, and, and so it's time that you go figure it out. You know, Bob Dylan says in, in one of his songs, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, he says, I'll know my song well before I start singing. Well, that was me right in that moment. I needed to learn what this song was about. And so I... I just I became an activist overnight basically. I just dove headfirst into the information pool and opened my mind and my heart and I just I learned all the things that are going on in the world and Jordan, geopolitics. Uh, ideolo- uh, ideologically speaking, where were you before that moment? I was politically illiterate and indifferent. Mm. Um, I, I was just floating along. When I would hear Chrisanne, when I would hear people having conversations about politics or foreign policy or the economy, I would tune out and I would go somewhere else because I didn't want to hear it. I, I literally was so lazy and <clears throat> and, and, and disconnected from my reality that uh, it, it was actually pretty sad. And, and so, you know, God had other plans for me and to use my voice as, uh, as a beacon of hope and of truth and to, to show people what's going on because I, I, I've spent 11 years, of the last 11 years of my life, the majority of my adult life, um, learning and, and being engaged in the political process and, and in geopolitics and, and just kind of putting all the pieces of the puzzle together and doing it in song. Because, you know, songs or music is a very non-threatening way to convey a message. You're, you're, not, you're, right. not, you're not coming right. at people in an offensive sort of way. You're, it's, almost like, it's, it's almost like asking a question. But I ask right. a lot of questions in my song, so it's kind of a double whammy. And, and I, I just try to get people to think about their reality and the nature of what, they've, what, they, what they think that they know and to get them to kind of question that and... I'm 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 a door opener. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think of myself as the closer necessarily. Right. Like some people might disagree, but I I like to think of myself as the person who opens the doors to to their consciousness to let the new information in. You know that's so amazing because there are so many ways to plant seeds. Yes. And and it's very scriptural because God tells us very clearly that we have a duty to plant seeds. Yes. And he says, sometimes you may get a chance to water those seeds, but we know that only God can bring the increase. And I always tell people, you know, even though I am teaching, 
it is not up to me to change people's minds. I simply have to give them the truth sure. and let that work take place. And that's what you're doing. What I want to do here real quick is I want to uh, play a little piece of the first Jordan Page song I ever heard. And then I want you to tell us about that. Sure. Why do we sit down when all should be standing? And why do we back down at the critical moment Like running away from the waves of the ocean We head for the hills with the high tide approaching As sand slips away from the castle When it's time to stand upright Why do we falter like placing our freedom on the sacrificial altar we hold tight to our fears and defend our oppressors as we fight for their lives and become the transgressors as pacifists transform to violent aggressors but i'm only a stranger here i'm alone Thank you. You know, Jordan, <laughs> I'm sitting here fighting. <laughs> it, well, it's not working. Um, it just, it touches my heart and it brings me to tears. And because this is our mission, you know, to, to get people engaged and to realize that um, what we're doing matters, yes, right? absolutely. You know, I teach... I, I, want, I want this to be about you, so I don't want to take up too much of our time together with me talking, but I just want you to know the reason that song resonates with me so much is because as a historian, I know that history always pivots on one person. You look throughout <coughs> history, every major event in history pivots on one person. And I have several one persons that are my favorite that 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 inspire my heart. And um, the thing, one of the reasons why this sort of touches me is because the American people aren't taught these people, mm-hmm. sure. right? Because right now I can tell you with a great deal of confidence that America would not be here today if it had not been for one man, and his name is James Otis Jr. Mm. And I know that Americans do not know who he is. Yeah. He stood up when no one else was standing up uh, fifth, oh, what, 14 years before the Declaration of Independence. He risked his life. He risked his reputation, his profession, his family, because he said, and these were his words, consequences be as they will, I am determined to proceed. He was fighting for Amen liberty. To that. And so um, I just I want to thank you for the way that you, you touch people. Tell us how this song came to you it's called liberty and man isn't jordan you have such an amazing voice oh thank you god has <laughs> truly gifted you 
And uh, so tell us about how Liberty came to you. That's so funny you say that because I never, I, I don't think of myself as much of a singer. I, it's like, uh, I, wow. I, for, for, for me, it's it's more about the, the songwriting. And it always, mm-hmm. it always was before I could play guitar the, the way that I do now, before I really took it seriously and, and, and developed the craft. Um, I was just strumming chords, you know, mm-hmm. but it was about it was about the, the the content of the songs and the quality right. of the songs. Liberty was a song, Chris, that um, that came about in 2010 when I was on tour. I was doing a Young Americans for Liberty tour. They're like the um, college version of Campaign oh, we, for Liberty. Oh, we we know y'all here. You know y'all. <laughs> we know y'all here. <laughs> and uh, I was doing a show at Drexel University in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and. I, I saw this man standing um, in the theater, not sitting in the audience, just but kind of standing up against the wall, uh, mm-hmm. you know, watching me very intently and listening. And, and I, I assumed he was a professor there, mm-hmm. and I was right. And he came up to me after the show, after everyone had left and I'd packed up, and he came up to me and he shook my hand and he said, um, it's, it's great to, I really enjoyed your show and it's great to hear you mar- people marrying politics and music again because it doesn't happen very often uh-huh. anymore. And we're still shaking hands and he says, but you're not there yet. <laughs> oh. And I said, okay, well, what do you mean by that, you jerk? And he says, well, what I really mean is you just haven't figured out the secret. And I said, well, what's the secret? He says, you're not asking anybody any questions. Mm. He said, every song you sang today, I was here from the, for the whole show. And all you did was point fingers at the problem. You offered no solutions, and you didn't ask any questions. And that's the that's the real trick. If you want to convert people, you got to ask them the right questions. My husband and I say that all the time because people are always like, "How do you change people mind? Change people's minds?" I said, "You don't change people's minds with statements. You change people's minds with questions. Right? Because if you make a statement with someone, they can dismiss it." Even if, well, but it's the truth. Problem is, the mind is set up in a way that cognitive dissonance allows us to dismiss even truth if it threatens what we believe. Right. But if you ask the question, then it makes their mind think about the answer. Correct. And you can't run away from your, I can, you can run away from my statement, but you can't run away from your own mind. That's essentially exactly what he said to me. Mm-hmm. And he said, think of all the protest songs that you love. Mm-hmm. He says, like, and, and that influenced you. He says, I guarantee you they're full of questions. And the first one I thought of was Bob Dylan's Blown in the Wind. Yeah. And that song is nothing but questions. And I realized that he was right, and I, and I, gave, uh, I gave him a hug. And I, you know, I, I was angry with him at first, but mm-hmm. I gave him a hug, and I thanked him for calling me out at a time in my life where I really needed it. And I went home after that tour, and the first question I wrote down was, why do we sit down when all should be standing? And no sooner had I typed those words that the floodgates opened, and it just... It, I wrote this song in about six, seven minutes, and it actually had an, an extra verse. It was, it was actually, uh, a, it was about seven-minute song originally, mm-hmm. and I, I had to cut one of the verses to make it, you know. <laughs> you know what you should do, though, Jordan? You should go back and go ahead and record uh, the extended version sometime with all the verses. I believe that, I believe that's, you know, I, the way that you are inspired, I believe that's a divine inspiration, and I think those of us, who love to listen to you no matter what. I mean, I think the message would be there. I want to suggest that you do that, even if it's just a YouTube video that you put out. Well, we are, oh, we're coming to the end of our time here. And I'm so glad that you were here. We had such a great time last night. We sure did. It was a lot of fun. At the uh, after dinner event. And, um, you are just incredible. And I hope this isn't the last time that we bump into each other. I, I have a feeling it's not going to be. And, yeah. and if, if anyone wants to um, check out 
my, oh, that's my right. Music. Tell you who. Tell everybody how yeah, to find you. It, it's real easy. Just go to jordanpagemusic.com. Um, all my music is, is able to be streamed there, and you can also purchase it uh, through the website or through iTunes or any, anywhere digital music is sold. You can, you can find me. I'm, I have a Pandora station. And, uh, but, yeah, jordanpagemusic.com is the, uh, is the website. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, we will be right back. Thank you for staying with us. Chris Ann Hall Show. She's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. We are here again, day number two at the Red Pill Expo. And I have with me uh, someone that I've just met for the first time here at the Red Pill Expo, and I am just floored. I have, I have just enjoyed myself so much. Um, his name is Benny Wills, and he is brilliant. Let me tell you what. Uh, I am an author. I am an attorney, I am a speaker, I am, in all those three things, I'm a wordsmith. That's who I, that's who I am. I'm a wordsmith. And you are, you are an artist with words. And I am just absolutely stunned. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And thank you for those kind words. Oh, it's, it's, it is absolutely the truth. We don't hand out compliments here uh, very easily. And especially when it comes to, you know, what we do here. So tell us, uh, Benny, what you, what you do? Well, I use creativity as a platform to communicate, more or less. Um, I come from an artistic background, a performance background more than anything, and I took the red pill when I was uh, 20 years old, and I dedicated my life to truth. So, having what were you? Where were you ideologically speaking before your red pill? Well, I grew up as a Democrat. A liberal, um, as an anti-war Democrat. Right. So when I was in high school and, well, after 9-11 happened when I was a senior in high school and then we went to war with Afghanistan and Iraq and I was vehemently against the war. So I've always been anti-war. Um, but I also knew there was something really wrong about the 9-11 event and I couldn't get past it. And uh, sooner or later, it really snapped me out of my trance and I started seeing... Uh, a lot that was wrong with both sides of the equation, the right and the left, and uh, I've just been going down this path ever since of awakening. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's amazing. You know, we were talking before the show that we have we have similar backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was born and raised in that same way and had my red pill moment. I never called it that until then, which is kind of funny because the opening bumper to my radio show is the Matrix segment where he's standing in the phone booth. Yeah. The very last segment where, you know, I don't know where this is going to go, but, you know, this kind of thing. So that's that has been our trademark for uh, this show for six years now. So w- I, I actually, I saw you on the list, and then I uh, my go-to is IMBD. So you're actually on IMBD, which is very impressive. Oh, impressive. Interesting, because my credits on there are not impressive. Oh, well, I didn't <laughs> look at that. I just yeah. saw that. I, well, that's, I come from a acting background. My parents were both actors. I grew up in Los Angeles. So that's the path that I was on for a long time. 
until it started conflicting with my own, you know, quest for truth. Um, so yeah, I have an IMDb page. So let me ask you something. How do your parents think about what, what do your parents think about what you're doing? Good question. They're mostly supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they hear this, they might be disappointed that I'm saying mostly and not fully, right, but they right. do, they, they do sort of cling to the liberal ideology. They still mm-hmm. watch the mainstream news in spite of how much I've tried to pull right. them away from that, trying to get mm-hmm. them to turn their TV off. Um, they really wanted me to become, well, my mom really wanted me to become a movie star. And uh, the fact that I'm not doing that, I think she's a little disappointed. But whenever I perform my poetry now, they uh, they can't say I'm doing the wrong thing. Right. So they mostly support it. I think my, my parents would, my mom would have liked to have seen me uh, become rich and famous through being an actor. But it just wasn't working out for me. It wasn't making me happy. So... So let me ask you, uh, we hear about this all the time, the underground for for the alternative thinkers in in the artistic realm. Is that a reality? I mean, you, are, are people who, who do not support the liberal agenda, are they really driven underground or? Um, yeah, well, I don't know. I'm driven underground. I think they just break away from it. Yeah. They just leave it behind. I mean, I know I left it behind, but then again, I'm not seeing too many people using creativity as a tool to awaken people. Well, we had just Jordan Page, mm-hmm. which he is absolutely brilliant. He's doing that, and that's why I like having you on the show, because uh, what you're doing helps people see you don't have to be a lobbyist. You don't have to be a politician. You don't have to run for office. As Jordan said, you don't have to be a soldier. You can use the talents that you have to fight for the liberty that you love. Yeah, exactly. How do people find you? People can find me by going to YouTube and typing in Joy Camp, which is one word, Joy Camp. It's from 1984. Uh, the reference is from 1984. Or you can type in Benny Wills to any search engine, and you'll see my face, you'll see my videos. I'm all over the internet. Will you stick with us for a little few more minutes? Absolutely. All right. Thank you.